listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. The Intersection of Survival and Self-Expression What is art? Well, one answer is that art is what results when a human, or for that matter, a member of any sapient species, expresses themselves in a way that they feel to be beautiful or emotionally powerful. A sapient species is one with the ability to act with judgment. In other words, to hold more than one possible course of action in mind at the same time, think carefully through the possible outcomes, and then decide what to do. Only a species with this ability would feature individuals who would decide to spend precious time, energy, and resources in order to create something as unnecessary for survival as art. Now this stands in stark contrast to those species whose cognitive abilities have not reached this level. They are driven almost completely by instinct, which drives them to spend their energy and time only on that which will keep them alive, make baby animals, and then keep enough of the babies alive to pass on their genes. At some point, our ancestors evolved the last necessary genetic puzzle piece the one needed to complete the complex phenomenon of judgment, of higher consciousness, and for good or ill, Homo sapiens emerged. Almost immediately, this new species started creating art. In its earliest forms, artistic expression resulted either in objects like a stone with scratches on it, a carved antler or bone, a smear of pigment on the wall of a cave, or perhaps in an ephemeral performance like drumming, singing, or dancing. As I said, the reason it takes a sapient being to make art is that the pursuit of making art is all about making expressive choices that may have nothing to do with the major impulses of survival. Now what does this have to do with the martial arts? Well, the study of the martial arts lies precisely at the intersection of the worlds of survival, and self-expression. There's a through line that extends back into the past to well before we modern humans even emerged as a species, when we defended ourselves by fighting more like an animal than like a sapient being, and from there it extends forward through our history as a species. About 10 millennia ago, we started growing and raising our food instead of hunting or gathering it. This freed up lots of people to do other things, like building, keeping records, and making war, whether it be defensive or offensive. There would also have been specialists in teaching other humans how to fight well. Specialization spurs the development of excellence and efficiency. And boy, did humans become excellent and efficient at killing each other, as we developed more and more sophisticated ways to turn our bodies into weapons and weapon-wielding platforms 
and our brains into combat computers. This process is nowhere near complete. While the evolution of martial arts theory and technology has exploded in the last century and a half, and especially in the last half century, there is no reason to think that in the year 2019, we stand at the end, the culmination of this process. It wouldn't surprise me if in a few centuries, our descendants were to look back and laugh at the quaint way that we defend ourselves in the year 2019. One small example being that we don't know yet how to fight in zero gravity, or for that matter, other different gravity conditions. Now, if you're curious to hear my thoughts on how we would fight in different conditions of gravity, check out episodes 57 and 62 of this podcast with the title, I Don't Think You Understand the Gravity of the Situation, parts one and two. Anyway, there's a similar through line in the life of most serious martial artists, extending from back in early childhood when we had only our instinctive abilities and were slaves to fear, then forward through the early halting steps of training, and on into the future to where hard work and time created an artist and a warrior. When you practice the martial arts the way a lifelong warrior should, you are pursuing excellence in the long term, making the entirety of your life a work of art. <laughs> but of course, at first, you suck. Despite this embarrassing fact, the student who grasps the concept that life is a marathon and not a sprint should at this point in their career set the bar for success very low and simply be happy to survive, to not die. After all, not dying is the fundamental purpose of training in the martial arts. Yes, I know. Not extremely artistic. But consider the alternative. Besides, at that point in your martial arts journey, expressing yourself is often still the furthest thing from your mind. As a matter of fact, that's exactly the kind of behavior that attracts the attention of bullies. You continue in this fashion, not dying, for, shall we say, some time, the length of which cannot be known, and then, so long as you don't quit training, your level of knowledge and skill eventually grows to the point where you experience the additional satisfaction of not being frequently humiliated. I gotta tell you, coming from a guy who spent the first 15 years of his life as prime prey for bullies, and thus feeling all too frequently the scourge of humiliation, that's almost as good as not dying. Being only infrequently humiliated pushes you towards the more relaxed side of the emotional spectrum. Further, being more emotionally relaxed means that you can start to enjoy inhabiting your own brain. At least in my case, that was an unfamiliar feeling for at least my first 15 years on this planet. But, given time, some of us martial humans are fortunate enough to reach the point where we do like living in our own heads. And that's when art can begin to blossom. You begin to notice more and more that you enjoy moving your body well. You find your ability to express power, speed, balance, and fluidity with your body to be aesthetically pleasing. For perhaps the first time in your life, you feel pride in your ability. 
You may even come up with completely new movements and techniques on your own that are pleasing to execute. You also, eventually, approach a level of competence where you can tell when an aesthetically pleasing, expressive movement can also be a combatively effective one. Remember that bit about sapience being the ability of an organism or entity to act with judgment? Here's where that comes into play. On what criteria are you basing your judgment about whether that expressive technique is also combatively useful? I hope those criteria are shaped with skepticism and critical thinking. But all too often, they are not. This is where I think at least two aspects of the martial arts as they have been practiced in the past have sometimes held us back in furthering the frontiers of martial knowledge and technology. One of them is the tribalistic groupthink that can appear when you feel a sense of loyalty to a single martial arts style. Potentially useful movements might be frowned upon because they are not part of the tradition of the style. Or, as a sci-fi nerd might say, they are not canon. You may even be accused of committing the heretical sin of thinking that you are smarter than the founder of the style. Such tribal shaming can stifle creativity and self-expression. Another potential anchor around the neck of martial creativity is the set of limitations imposed by the rule sets of martial sports. Of course, when you train and compete in a sport, you need to be aware of the rules and how to stay within them and still function. But there's no law that says that competing in that sport is the only way to express yourself as a martial artist. Training in and expressing yourself exclusively through the lens of such a rule set can close your mind to other possibilities. Your criteria for judgment will have been shaped by the totality of your experience as a martial artist. This means, for example, that if you have only learned how to hit things and keep those things from hitting you, the way that you move will be shaped by this education. Strikers tend to express their bodies outwards, relaying kinetic energy toward an opponent and also to move along angles that allow them to avoid their opponent's kinetic projections, or to erect robust barriers against them. This shapes their bodies and mentalities in a way that is biased. Such bias reminds me of the old expression that, when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem begins to look like a nail. The advent of mixed martial arts really shone a light on this. Suddenly. Boxers needed to think about being kicked, tackled, or kneed in the clinch. Grapplers were forced to address the challenge of defending against striking. Submission grapplers had the same challenge, but also found it necessary to upgrade their takedown defense when facing the superior skills in that area of wrestlers. This points to another form of self-expression, developing creative solutions to new problems. Of course, it's not necessary for the solution to be aesthetically pleasing. But when it is, there's certainly nothing wrong with indulging yourself by enjoying the practice of that movement. Of course, you want your fighting techniques to be uncontaminated by unnecessary fanciness. But a training martial artist spends a lot of time in the gym. Like a scientific laboratory, the gym is a safe space, one in which you can indulge your creativity without fear.
The more you learn about the martial arts, the more open you become to developing a new appreciation for the aesthetic beauty of techniques you once only thought useful and effective, and a matching appreciation for the effectiveness of some techniques you might have previously and ignorantly once disdained as unnecessarily fancy or flowery. The more you seek to indulge the artist within and not limit your thinking during research into movement and combat, the more productive and happy your martial arts career will be. And I hope that you, like me, appreciate the elegant symmetry of these two phenomena, of the fact that physical evolution gave our species the cognitive bandwidth to create art, and the fact that sufficient time and dedication to martial arts training gives you sufficient athletic and emotional bandwidth to create art as well. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain Podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Martial Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com. <laughs>